Hello, and welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines, people working to understand viruses and how they affect you. With the annual American Society for Virology meeting coming up soon, we are talking with students, postdocs, and other virologists presenting at the meeting so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Thackray, and I'm hosting this podcast from America's Heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. On June 6, 2023, we talked with Laura St. Clair, a postdoc in the Klein Lab at John Hopkins University. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Biology at Metropolitan State University of Denver and her PhD in Microbiology from Colorado State University. She is interested in understanding how metabolic differences driven by biological sex alter the immune responses to viral infection and vaccination in younger and older and pregnant and non-pregnant persons. Um, So thanks for joining us uh, this afternoon. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So uh, my name is Laura St. Clair, and I am a postdoctoral fellow just finishing my first year as a postdoc at uh, Johns Hopkins University, and I am in Dr. Sopper Klein's lab. Great. And can you tell us how you first became interested in virology? What was it that sort of sparked that interest in science for you? So my story is a little bit interesting in that I never set out initially to be a scientist. Um, I was pursuing a business degree. Um, I was working at a mutual fund company and had sort of reached a ceiling of where I could go without a degree. Um, And I started taking classes and then sort of fell in love with biology and then fell in love with a particular professor who asked me to TA for him. Uh, And he was sort of hellbent on convincing me to become a scientist because he saw that I was one. And that's what started me down the path. Um, And then as I started taking more classes, I really fell in love with microbiology and then eventually with virology. Cool, cool. And where are you from sort of originally? What's your background? So I am from Indiana, um, but I completed all of my undergrad education and then also graduate education in Colorado. So I went to um, Red Rocks Community College and Metro State in Denver, and then also I completed my PhD at Colorado State University. Oh, great. I used to live in Colorado. I got my PhD from the Health Sciences Center when it was downtown in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> great. And can you sort of tell us a little bit about how you, you know, once you were sort of looking for graduate school, when you're looking for postdocs, what is sort of the path you use to kind of find those places? What were kind of some of the things you were looking for in a good graduate, you know, program and then in a postdoc lab? So for me, it was about what I was interested in in, in the in science. So when I was thinking about graduate school, I got really interested in any way that I could be involved in infectious disease research. Um, And so that was really where, you know, so Colorado has, uh, Colorado State has a really great infectious disease program, especially for arthropod-borne infectious diseases. Um, And so that was really, in graduate school, what I was looking for was research that would allow me to have sort of a public health um, aspect. And then for my postdoc, um, I was really, really uh, excited about Sabra's lab. Um, I had met Sabra in like 2019, and I got really interested in sex differences, which is the work that we do in this lab. Um, and 
uh, wanting to apply it to my research. And so I was always going to find a lab if it wasn't Sabra's lab that would allow me to do sex differences in my postdoc work. I see. Um, and I guess, can you tell us then a little bit about that work? So what kind of research do you do? Maybe what kind of tools do you use to do that research? What are some of the big questions you're trying to address? Yeah, so um, there are a few things. So in my in my graduate lab, what I worked on is I worked on dengue viruses and understanding how those viruses uh, manipulate metabolic pathways, especially lipid metabolic pathways. And so I got really interested in metabolomics and that work. Um, and so what I wanted to then do is then look at with sex differences, I wanted to be able to understand uh, metabolically what was driving sex differences and immune responses. Um, and so in then my postdoc work now, I answer questions looking at um, sort of a, a wide variety of women's health related uh, issues. So some of the things that I look at are questions about, you know, why and how did um COVID-19 vaccination or infection or, or infection um, disrupt menstrual cycles for women, right? So there was all of that evidence that came out saying that, you know, vaccination was causing disruptions in female menstrual cycles. Um, I look at why pregnant women have different immune responses um, to non-pregnant women in response to vaccination and infection. Um, and then I'm also really interested in understanding how um, as women age and go through different hormone cycles, how then hormones drive differences in immune responses. And I look at that look from a metabolic approach, um, trying to understand, you know, maybe a little bit more mechanistically what's driving some of those changes. Okay. And what you what do you mean by a metabolic approach? Can you sort of define that? Absolutely. So what I am interested in is I'm interested in um, looking at metabolites and small molecules and how those are changing and what metabolic pathways then are altered. Also, then what metabolic pathways are important for driving uh, robust immune responses or what ones aren't on when we see these sort of attenuated immune responses that happen with aging. Right. And how do you collect those samples? Are these human samples? Are these mouse model samples? What do you work with? <laughs> There's a little bit of both. So I do have some human clinical work that I work on. So especially around pregnancy, that's all human clinical work. Um, but for most of my metabolomics work, um, that's all mouse model work that we do in the lab. So I'm collecting serum and plasma and tissues from our mouse models of influenza virus infection. Um, do you have to do any sort of like special processing in order to um, preserve the metabolic signatures in your tissue, anything like that? Uh, there's not any really special processing other than, you know, just thinking about how we do our extractions. So I, I will uh, submit a lot of that stuff for mass spectrometry analysis. So it's really about how then I do my extractions that matters. Um, and it just then depends on what metabolic um, or what metabolites I want to look at and how I'll do those extractions. So everything is frozen immediately. And then from there, I'll process accordingly and do extractions based on what metabolites I'm looking for. Okay. And I guess, can you briefly explain how um, the identification of the metabolites occur, like computationally, experimentally, what is done um, at the core to do that? Oh, <laughs> so there are a lot of different software uh, programs that we use to do that. So um, I'm really mostly interested in lipids. So we'll use things like um, lipid maps. I also use some keg pathway analysis. 
Um, and uh, there are a lot of different computational tools that we use, but there's a lot of programming that we use on the back end. And most of that's through um, most of the computational stuff that we do is using our codes um, based on all of like the mass spec analysis that we're doing. Okay. And do you write that code yourself or do you collaborate with other people who actually write the code? So most of that is done through collaboration, right? Through people that are working in the mass spec core. Um, and then also through collaborations with some of our, so in our lab, we do have um, a dedicated biostatistician who does a lot of that back end for us as well. Okay, great. Um, so you're just starting your postdoc, so maybe it's a little early to ask you this, but where do you kind of see yourself? What type of career are you interested in? Where do you see yourself in five, 10 years? Um, so I really hope uh, that I am, you know, well into starting my own lab. I'm still very interested in pursuing academia and doing academic research um, and very much interested in becoming a PI. So uh, hopefully that's where I'm at in five, 10 years and looking at, you know, metabolic drivers of sex differences and immune responses. Um, that's really where I want to go with my career. Um, so I've been very fortunate to get some of that work started here in Sabra's lab. And I guess just finishing up, what are sort of some of the, um, I don't know, like programs or um, initiatives that you sort of see would be beneficial to help you in the next five, 10 years to launch or um, launch you into your own lab, as it were? I think when I think about that question, um, there are a handful of pathways that are beneficial towards postdocs, especially if you're, uh, you know, if you're not an international student, right? So we think about K awards, um, and those are really beneficial ways to help people transition into, um, you know, that track. But I think there are maybe more programs that could help, you know, that intermediate transition that are beyond a K award. Um, I like the idea of how K awards are structured so that you still have mentoring as you're moving into starting your own lab. So I would love to see more of that happening. Um, I think that depending on who you are and who your mentors are, that can happen organically, but that's not necessarily how it works for everyone. Um, I have been talking a lot with a few of um, my past mentors about starting programs, maybe at ASV and other places uh, where we sort of have these meetings of here are all the things that you that I wish that I would have known when I was a young PI. And, you know, just like some of the administrative things that you don't know go into being a PI um, that you sort of learn on the fly. <laughs> right. You're nodding. So I can I can tell you agree. Um, and so we've talked about having some of those and I would love to see those sorts of things happen. And those things involve postdocs and grad students and those conversations and so we've been really talking about how to start a seminar series around that so we can invite people into those conversations. Um, otherwise, I think, yeah, I mean, just more transparency around what that transition looks like and all of the training that probably should go in to teaching you really how to run your own lab and how to start that up would be great. Do you I think, think would help though with that, transition. that like people of today, so, so people that are starting labs today, that they're almost like a new millennial generation of scientists that, you know, that there's a different way that people, younger people think about having a lab and what that actually means as far as their lifestyle, as far as their, the lifestyle of the people in their lab. Do you think that there's sort of a generational shift as it were, or is it still 
you know, just a continuum of, uh, you know, adding new things over time. I think, I mean, I would tell you that I do sense that there is a little bit of a shift in some things with, with those of us that are thinking about moving into starting our own labs, right? So a lot of us are thinking more about what work-life balance looks like um, for ourselves and then also for our students and, right? So we're thinking a lot more about that. I think that there's a shift on what we think about for mentoring as well and how mentoring should be done and, and what mentor contracts should look like. So I'm really, I love mentor contracts and I love this idea of having this open door policy between you and a mentee, um, you know, setting up expectations and and like what I expect of you, but also what you expect of me and then checking in with that. And I think I see a lot of that happening in sort of, you know, younger, like people that are my age or people that are a little older than me sort of moving into their labs right now. Um, so I think that is something that's changing. Obviously, the technology is changing, but the technology always changes. Um, but I think more than anything, I see this big sort of change in sort of what the culture of a lab looks like and, and the, the work-life balance of a lab. Right. Um, and then I guess one last question I like to ask people, you know, if you were to basically talk to your younger self, so maybe you when you were 10 or 15 or 20, just getting started in your education, um, get, getting started in your adult life, what would you tell yourself now? Is there something that I would want my younger self to know yeah. or something that my younger yeah. self should yeah. tell my older self? Well, either one. <laughs> <laughs> um I think the biggest thing that I have learned in, so my career path took such a, a number of crazy turns. I think the thing that I would remind myself as a younger person would just be to not be afraid of how many leaps you will take. Um, because I did, I took an, an, a quite an inordinate number of leaps to get to where I, I, I got along the pathway. And I would have never been able to predict that my career would have turned out the way that it has or that my interests would be what they were. And I mean, it really has been that I followed the science and I have followed what science has excited me. And I think that would be probably what I would tell my younger self is not to be afraid to leap. Great. Well, thanks so much for talking with us this afternoon. And we look forward to hearing um, about your research at ASV. All right. Thank you. This has been Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackray, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast providers, or at lmtv.podbean.com. <laughs>